Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Mel. And I'm Janet. So here at ABG, we do a lot of reflection and inner work. And one way to accomplish that, at least on a very simple level, is by taking these five to sometimes 20-minute online tests that tell you a little bit more about yourself. In the past, we've been able to put structure and words to some of our own personal emotions with personality tests like Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram test. We've taken a test that helps you understand your strengths when it comes to careers via the DISC, D-I-S-C test. And we've also taken two tests that help us understand how we relate to, pick, and connect with our romantic partners or close relationships as adults via the love languages and attachment style tests. Yes, if you haven't heard those episodes yet and you're interested in hearing them, they're all saved under our Asian Boss Girl podcast. So you can do a quick search and hear more details about those tests. But today, we're going to be taking one called Four Tendencies that was developed by Gretchen Rubin. She's known as the happiness guru. She's a New York Times bestselling author, a podcast host, and she explains how small steps taken consistently can add up to greater contentment. But in order to do that, you must recognize what type of person you are by using this Four Tendencies framework to make your life better. I first heard about Gretchen Rubin when she was a guest on one of the podcasts that I listened to. It was one of those like either wellness, psychology, or life hack ones. Um, And I remember being really drawn to her. So prior to her happiness work, she was actually a very busy and successful lawyer who clerked for various Supreme Court justices. So when you listen to her explain her theories, she's incredibly thorough, but also very practical in how to apply the habits. And it makes sense. You know, even among the three of us, we have such different personalities. Um, And in order to successfully tailor happiness-boosting habits specifically to our own personality, we first need to understand who we are and how we operate. According to PBS.org's reference to this test, habits are the invisible architecture of everyday life. And by creating good habits, you can make your life happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. So this test categorizes us into one of four distinct personality profiles, and knowing your tendencies can reveal how to make your life better and how to make other people's lives around you better as well. So we took this test, and this is how it works. 
You consider different statements and scenarios, and you respond with how you typically act in those scenarios, such as what frustrates you, are you committed to things when no one else is holding you accountable? There are only eight questions in total, and these questions are about how do you respond to expectations, expectations from others, like a work deadline, and expectations for yourself, like keeping a New Year's resolution. So your result will either be an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. So an upholder accepts rules, whether from outside or inside. An upholder meets deadlines, follows doctor's orders, keeps a New Year's resolution. Then we have the questioner. Questioners question rules and follows them only if they make sense. Questioners may choose to follow rules or not according to their judgment. An obliger, an obliger accepts outside rules but struggles to meet self-imposed rules. A rebel flouts rules from outside or inside. They resist control, give a rebel a rule, and the rebel will want to resist. So let's go around and guess what each other is. Mm. Mel, what do you think Janet would be? Okay, so I have two possible uh, types for Jay. I think she's either the questioner, because I don't think she follows the status quo and construct without questioning and knowing if that's right for her. But in the past, this wouldn't be her. But now I can kind of see her being the questioner or or she may be the obliger because I feel like she can accept outside expectations but might have a harder time doing it for herself. But among those two, I am leaning towards the questioner because I, I can see Jay being more like, just because that's the status quo, I'm going to question everything to make sure this is the right thing. And like, even when we talk mm. with our friends, she'll, she's always the type to like, well, actually, I don't know about that. She'll like push them for a different type of perspective. So yeah. I think questioner. What do you think? Interesting. So, I mean, because there's only four different tendencies that we can be bucketed into, I thought it was clear, <laughs> like, which ones we kind of fell into. And, um, I mean, I'm thinking one of those two as well, but you're leaning towards questioner. I'm actually leaning towards obliger. Oh. I'm like, I'm like looking at Janet's face right now to see if she's <laughs> she has any reaction. But because, so when an obliger feels like they're, taken advantage of or not being heard there's something called obliger rebellion which i was reading up on where they'll meet expectations for others but it gets to a point where it feels like it's too much and they might want to like quit or you know Mm. walk out on a job or show some ignited flame before it dwindles back down to yeah just like a little burnt match but i don't i don't know if that's exactly how you left your jobs janet but i think there have been many times where you felt burnt out and wanted to move Mm. on and i also remember you saying at ABG and in other jobs that you need to make sure work is equitably distributed, which is another point that this test mentioned, Mm. um, so that an obliger type doesn't fall into deep resentment and burnout. Mm. And I was like, that sounds, Mm. that sounds like Jay, but I, I can also see the questioner part too. So yes, Mel, No, you brought up really good points. (laughs) As I'm sorry, I'm raising my hand. I think as we're talking through Jay's personality and talking about work, I remember when Jay and I, like, for example, we're doing partnerships or, like, we're talking about anything, like, strategy. Sometimes we have, like, opposing views, right? But now it'd be like, Jay's like, okay, do you mind sharing me, sharing with me why you feel that way? I just want to have a better understanding. So she'll always ask me, like, why? And, like, mm. these why questions always come from Jay. And I'm reading this thing right now where, like, their strategy is they want clarity. Yeah, that's true. So I think true. Jay attends, she wants to understand. So I'm like, okay, maybe the questioner. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're working on a lot. So, yeah. so we both have different. Oh, uh, this is interesting to uh, listen to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Watch Shannon be like, I'm the rebel. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. right. Not both wrong. <laughs> 
Well, Janet, what do you think Mel would be? Mm, okay. Upholder, questioner, obliger, or a rebel? So I am going to guess that Mel is an upholder. Oh. And why I say this is because when I read the description, one of the descriptions for the upholder is they wake up and think what's on the schedule and the to-do list for today. They want to know what's expected of them and to meet those expectations. Mm. They avoid making mistakes or down, including themselves. And in certain situations, Mel is very focused on the rules. Like I've noticed that when we have our meetings, we we usually have like an agenda going. And the agenda isn't always supposed to be super strict. It's just kind of like an all-dump to-do list, right? But she usually will reference the agenda to a T. And when we have meetings, she likes to establish like expectations. Like, okay, who is leading this meeting? What Who is saying what? And what is the order and things like that? So I think there's something about her liking structure that – in the definition of the upholder, I felt like really resonated. Um, I think she also takes a lot of pride in keeping to certain deadlines. And she, I can tell she gets really like frustrated with herself when she misses a deadline or crosses a deadline. So that was another thing with the upholder where you are focused on um, meeting outer expectations as well as inner expectations. Uh, and I think a lot of this comes from, she seems to be very perceptive of like, inconveniencing others or like wanting to, uh, fear of like breaking the rules or or something like that to some degree. So that that was one way of thinking. The other thing that I, the other one that kind of I thought she could potentially fall under was the obliger because this one meets outer expectations but resists inner expectations. And I, I see that Mel at times will feel guilty about certain thoughts or emotions that she's having when she, you know, reacts to certain situations. So sometimes I feel like guilt could be a signal to some, you know, inner resistance of expectations she has for herself. Wow. I did not think either of those. (laughs) This just got interesting. No, honestly, when I was outlining this, I was like, okay, I think we're for sure going to know what each other is. And now I'm like, wait, I could see, I could see the aspects of what you're talking about. And... As much as I might have thought that, I was like, this one, I, I thought Mel was, would be the questioner. Whoa, interesting. Waiting for a reaction. No reaction. Okay. So, <laughs> because I feel like during meetings, Mel very often goes like, um, like, wait, why? Mm. Wait, what? Like, <laughs> and not to say that that's like the only question that comes out of her mouth, but it's like, I think Mel wants to pause before deciding to mm. go ahead. So I, I know, Mel, you've used this analogy of a car before on this podcast about our different roles mm. if we were part of a car. And I think you said that your role was was it the map, even though the map is not part of the car, <laughs> but like the GPS or something like that. Yeah. But what's it again? Yeah, something with the GPS navigation or <laughs> yeah. something. But you need to know where we're going and why we're going there. So mm. that's why I thought of you definitely as the questioner, mm. because you want to be sure that um about what you're doing and why you're doing something but now janet like you've convinced me that the other ones are probably her as well and i'm like oh my gosh now i don't know and i'm curious what your results are so funny when you're saying wait what i was like the reason why i say janet's also like i i I say i wait what because i'm always like wait i want clarity janet says wait what because she's working on something and then helena are moving along and then she's like wait what are you guys talking about And That's Helen never says, accurate. wait, what? I, no, I totally do. I think when I'm multitasking too much and I'm like, oh, shit, I, mi- I miss what was being mentioned. Wait, what? I never hear you say what. Really say Sorry. Too. Anyways, yeah. um, obviously, you're not the questioner. I'm curious. And now I'm very curious what your, um, what your actual yeah. results are. So for Helen, I interpreted the questioner as someone who, when they hear something or when they already understand what's being presented, that they want to know more. 
And that was actually my my guest for Helen. <laughs> mm. Because I've noticed that in interviews and also in our meetings, she does ask a lot of questions. Um, and no, and it's because we have like, we generally will do our outlines, right? But usually building off of someone's response, I find Helen be like, oh, I want to ask a follow-up question. So I think that is, that's that's a way that I interpreted kind of the questioner. Mm. Um, but also I think that the way that Mel and I have a tendency to more reflect on rules or like social social order, mm-hmm. I, I think that Helen will sometimes push a bit outside of the rules. For example, when we look at the agenda, Emma will be like, you know, we have to go through all these things that we have set for today. Helen is more likely to kind of push back and be like, well, this item can be pushed or actually this other thing might be okay to move or kind of okay with more like if the, if the rules change up. She doesn't, she seems kind of like okay with that, right? Versus I think Mel likes a little bit more structure. My second guess for Helen was going to be the rebel. Mm-hmm. Because the rebel resists both outer and inner expectations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, this description is if you tell her to do something, she may be less Mm -hmm. likely to do it. Mm -hmm. And I could see Helen being someone who would, if the more you push her, she might be to doing it, you know. Um, and, And in terms of questioning expectations with herself, I think I've I've observed what seems to be a lot of shifts in Helen's kind of like um, internal identity over the past couple of years. Mm, I think when it comes to her, you know, her relationship with herself and her work and her identity and even as she approaches motherhood and her life mission, I could see that she might be a little bit there's going through some like resistance of internal um, internal expectations. So that's where I could see potentially the rebel coming into play. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mel? You said some really, really great things about why Helen could be uh, both uh, the questioner or the rebel. Uh, it's so funny because when you're talking about like the questioner, like how she's more, I, I think Helen, I, when I think about like being flexible or like structure or whatever, I don't know why I always think about, I know we're talking about uh, the mm-hmm. four tendencies, but I think of Myers-Briggs. Like, so I know that like, at the last, the last letter, yeah. Jay and I are both J's. So with J's are more judgment. They like to like have more structure. They like to know what's going on. Helen's a P, right? Mm-hmm. Helen, for me, she's always like free flowing. We'll go with it. I might have a plan. I might have a plan. Let's see just what happens. And for me, I think that's something I always notice. Oh, There's certain yeah. things like you okay. like having structure to like some degree, but you want you like like having space to roam around and see what happens. So maybe that's why for like you guys, you also thought she's like the questioner in some ways. Mm. Um, I thought Helen, so I said, Helen in the past, high school Helen, maybe the rebel. Because I think you resisted a bit. And hearing your stories of like, you know, like, like lighting leaves on fire or something. Like, I just felt like <laughs> you kind of went against Smoke, the Smoking leaves, like, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> smoking. Like, you resisted control, obviously, for your own reasons. But I felt just, felt, you just sounded like a rebel to me. Like, you kind of like, oh, I'll just kind of go against what people are doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do what I want to do. Um, but right now... This is so funny. I think all of us are obligers, or like you two are both obligers. I feel like you're able to meet like group expectations like ABG, or even when you started doing the house stuff, you're like, I know you felt like it was really stressful, but you were pretty much push- pushing that ahead, like mm-hmm. making sure like everything was done. But with your, per- I think sometimes with your personal stuff, depending on like where you are, because there's so many things on your plate, you might put things off. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, I remember you're saying to us, you're like, yeah, I just did, I want to do, like, you did something like, oh, I did like, uh, you did the ABG stuff. You're like, oh, I still need to do like the nursery room or things like that. I feel like mm-hmm. depending, like maybe because in your mind, you're like, oh, ABG has like, there's a group of us. And like, 
obligers talk a lot about accountability. Like, you need accountability in the group to get things done. Maybe in your mind, like, oh, ABG, oh, I should do the finance for, or I should do this because, like, Helen and Mel are waiting for that versus, like, the nursery. It's more like a personal mm. thing. You're like, okay, I could, like, maybe put that off a little bit. So I thought that's why maybe you'd be an obliger. Wow. Very good <laughs> observations and convi- you're very convincing for both sides. All factual points. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Mel, what did you actually get? And was it what you were expecting for yourself? It's funny. So one of you guys was right. Oh, which one? (laughs) Duh. I am the obliger. Oh, man. Someone's mentioned obliger. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Like, when reading, like, when I, at first, honestly, I didn't read much about the, I read the summary really quickly, but then when I got my, like, end of report and I was reading through my whole thing, I was like, wow, this is, like, really accurate. But I actually thought I would get the upholder. Cause, like, Jay, everything you're saying about, like, me, like, following the rules, like, I don't, and I, I, I like to, I like to be by the book in, like, in certain things. I, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get the upholder, but I got the obliger. So it was kind of what I expected, but like also not really. I see. Yeah. I see. Do you think that this has changed in your personality over time or have you always been an obliger? I think overall, I've always have been an obliger. I think there's parts of me that is an upholder. Like even as a little kid, I've never, like, I never skipped school. I never did any of that. Like I was very, like, I would never want to get in trouble, quote unquote. So um, I think maybe when I was younger, I was more of an upholder. But obliger for me overall, I think. It makes sense because, like, it says uh, uh, obligers accept outside rules. Again, it's just, like, following the books. But sometimes when you do, like, self-imposed rules, it's hard for me to follow. Mm. Um, and as reading more about it, and they're saying that obligers, like, they need accountability and external factors to keep me in check. And I think mm. I am very affected by external a little, a lot. And I think something that let that cloud my judgment. And it just, yes, I need accountability. And it makes me think about, like, when I look back at when I look back at all my like 
group activities that I've done that I really enjoyed, like mm. being on a swim team, like choir, and like more more of these things. It include it, it involved being a group, and being in a group allows you to be accountable for your actions. And do you feel like you learned anything about yourself? What is something that you'll take away from this test? That's a very good question. So as I was reading, I was like, oh, shit. This is kind of just like it pushes even further that I rely too much on external as proof of my self-esteem. And it also says obligers are very prone to burnout. Mm. Um, I think like they say, like their tendency is Mm. to like they always want to put their friends and people first. And by doing that, they don't really know how to advocate for themselves or like they had to say like it's kind of like there's a statement they always say like, oh, like. I'm always putting people first, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like I'm just like, no, I still kind of say that a lot, even though if it, I don't know if it's true or the way I put myself there. Um, they also say, um, there's a, they also said, obligers say, because I'm so busy meeting other people's needs, I have no time for self-care. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, I really do say that a lot, especially during this year for like, it was wedding season. And like, I had to like, in my own mind, I'm like, I need to do all these events and do all these things for my friends. And it kind of burned me out. And I'm just like, oh shoot, like maybe if I, if I didn't rely so much on like, getting this validation from my external factors, I would have been able to like balance it a little mm-hmm. bit better. So it definitely is really pushing it further that this is my personality type. Um, also, I think again, like the whole accountability thing is just so true for me. Like I do work better with this type of relationship, whether it's like, you know, ABG, clear example. I think if it, if I did anything like by myself or like ABG, like an ABG type of project, I don't think I would have been as successful because I need other people to like feel like, oh, I'm responsible for this. They're relying on me for mm. this. And so I was like, oh, this is very true. And the second thing I think about is like, Everyone knows I don't like working out. Like, physical activity for me is, like, blah. Like, I don't enjoy it at all. So I've been trying to find, like, a workout routine for myself. Like, I'm the type of person that will start a workout by myself, and then I'll quit in two weeks. So I'm just like, I don't want to do this. But what has worked for me is if I had a buddy or a few friends to do, like, one class with or whatever, like, to maintain that um, schedule. So it just makes me think about, like, other activities I want to try or learn in the future uh, and how maybe I've given up quickly because I didn't have someone to hold me accountable. Like, I remember when the pandemic started, <laughs> I wanted to learn Korean, and I did Duolingo, but I quit in, like, a week. So I was like, hmm, because I didn't have, like, and then I told myself, like, you know what, I think I need to set myself for a class, like a Zoom class or something where I feel like I have people there that they'll know if I'm missing. Like, again, back in school, I would never skip class. So I feel like having something like that and knowing that's my tendency, how can I adjust for things I want to pursue or want to do? Um, and I think overall, I think right. that just teaches me that I should really advocate for myself and find that balance. Because I think when I hear myself say, I'm so busy meeting other people's needs, mm-hmm. that's not something they're putting on me. That's something I put on myself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have an expectation that they want that mm-hmm. for me, that I need to do that. But they're not telling me like, they're, they're, it's just, it's just in mm-hmm. my own expectation. So knowing, understanding that and how I can find that balance. And again, knowing I might need accountability for certain things. So I think I did learn and reaffirm certain things about myself. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, okay, so now I have to ask you a question. So you think that you are more of an obliger. And then secondly, you're an upholder. And then thirdly, <laughs> questioner? <laughs> I think, honestly, Helen, when you're describing the questioner and like, you're like, oh, like, I do like to ask a lot of questions because I don't like doing things without a why or an intent. So I, when you're explaining, I was like, oh, that makes mm, a lot of sense too. Oh. Like, I feel like I have a combination of the three. I'm definitely not a rebel, mm-hmm, like for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't have a rebellion bone in my body. I don't think. Do <laughs> I? Rebellion? I don't know. You, could, you guys probably know me by, by now. I don't know. Is there is there a type that you want to work towards more? Honestly, I feel like I kind of want to 
be more of a questioner because I do like to follow the rules so much and follow like in a sense like status quo a little bit and it's just like I think if you're a questioner you're learning how to think for yourself and make your decisions with your own judgment versus letting external people like mm. influence mm-hmm. that because everything with the upholder and the obliger is like they accept outside rules accept mm-hmm. rules mm-hmm. so for me it's just like I think sometimes I accept blindly yeah without even questioning so maybe I need to like question mm. more yeah to form a to form a more so- like my own solid right. judgment Without factors. I could, I could see how that has been so ingrained in us since we were kids growing up in more of an Asian household that maybe that's just like yeah. something that mm. we're recognizing now that we're older and adults and wanting to make more decisions for ourselves. So yeah, I guess this, this test is revealing a lot about ourselves that um, it's a good reflection point and it's a very simple test too. So thank you for sharing that, Mel. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for the outline, Helen. <laughs> All right, so Janet, I'm curious, what did you get and is it what you were expecting for yourself? Yeah, so actually when I went into this test um, and I was reading over the different like descriptions and then also reading the questions, I was really torn. I actually had no idea what I was going to get. Um, like for example, mm. one of the questions when others expect um, me to do something, do I want to do it less? And there have been instances where I don't like being told what to do, right? So I answered yes to that, and that's reflective of a rebel. Um, and then there was another question about, yeah, like doing things only if you understand the reasoning. And I feel like like some instances I do that as well. So I'm like, okay, that's the questioner. Um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. an obliger, that description, I know that ever since I was young, I, I do have people-pleasing tendencies. So I was like, maybe that is me. I don't know. Um, But I actually, I got the upholder. And the upholder is someone who meets both outer expectations and also has a tendency to meet inner expectations. The kind of statements that I really resonated with, uh, one of them was they say that upholders generally want to understand the rules and often they search for the rules beyond the rules. Um, as in the case of art or ethics. And I think I'm very much like this. I'm very much like I look for the reason or the summary statement. And I notice that when I have conversations with people, I often will respond to their words with the summary statement of what they said. And this is just my default way of processing. A lot of people will be like, oh, you're helping me like rephrase what I just said. But I was like, oh, actually for me, it's a way to confirm that I understood what you said. And usually I'm trying to summarize. Mm. I'm trying to take all the stuff you said and like create the rule or what the system Mm. thing is, right? So um, I I was like, okay, I can see that makes sense. That's kind of like a way that I think. And they also, another quality of an upholder is they said there's a relentlessness quality to upholdersness. Uh, which can bring, which can be tiring both to the upholders and the people around them. So I definitely have a tendency to kind of beat a dead horse. If you've heard that, yikes, saying, yikes, yikes which for is, a veget- I think for a vegetarian, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a dead bok choy, vegetarian, be, be, yeah. beat a dead. <laughs> yeah, like some sometimes to not know when to walk away from a situation when you should just leave it. Like it's like leave it be. It's done. We should just conclude and move on, right? And sometimes I have a hard time doing that. Um, and but it, it's only in certain instances, right? For example, I can be a very detailed mm. person, but sometimes I'll get so lost in the detail that it's hard for me to let go of that. Like if we're having a conversation with someone and there's a small like tangent point that I made and they like misunderstood it, I get so focused on them understanding it, not because I'm like, oh, I have to be right. But it's like in my mind, I'm like, oh, I need to make sure that they are not misled, that they really understand the point. But maybe the point has no point in the bigger conversation. Right. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I will get to that and then I, I will. So it's like 
you kind of tangent mm. and you get lost in the tangent. I think those are two points in the description of the upholder that I did really like resonate with. Mm. I think I was, I'm reading also your description, Jay, as the upholder, and it says they um they have little trouble like meeting commitments, keeping resolutions, hitting deadlines. In a lot of ways, I feel like an ABG. I feel like you're always like our stable. Like we know whenever it's on your plate, you're gonna you're gonna hit it. Like I don't know. I always feel that with you. So I'm like, it makes sense. That's also mm. like for like an external like work environment. I think you're a very dependable mm-hmm. team member to have. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. And then when you said when you said the whole like questioning the rule <laughs> beyond the rules, like. Yeah, yeah, Jay. <laughs> you like to understand the deep meaning and keep moving forward with the with that. Um, do you think uh, this has changed in your personality over time, or have you always been like an upholder? No, I think this has definitely changed. Um, and I would say now reading more deeply into the descriptions. So before I took the test, I was like, oh, I could be any of these. But after reading a little bit more, um, I think I used to be the obliger a lot more. And I think because mm-hmm. in the two points of outer expectations and inner expectations, I definitely prioritize meeting outer expectations a lot more. And I think, like Helen said, mm-hmm. this was a, a probably a, a huge part of this was likely my upbringing, you know, like taught to always follow the rules and or like to prioritize mm. the rules. And I think I just didn't have a personal sense of like inner expectations as much. So yeah, I often prioritize like social rules and things like that Mm. but I think that when I went through my quarter life crisis which was kick-started by starting work at Deloitte after college I think that's when things started to change for me in terms of reevaluating my inner um, my inner expectations because I think I spent all of my Mm. life really prioritizing these social constructs and rules and by following and, and executing behaving by these outer expectations it led me to this pinnacle of my career which was this job that I got right and then when I got into the job and I felt such a huge sense of disconnect with that work and not just disconnect, but I got like really, really unhappy. It made me question like, wait, so if these rules got me here, you know, um, then maybe these definitions of success and value and stuff are not things that match me. That started making me like walk more and more away from kind of like matching outer expectations and tr- and start exploring like inner expectations. But even with my early career pivots, a lot of it, I was still so focused on these outer definitions of success and outer, you know, implications of what people's other people's needs were. And it wasn't until later in those career pivots when I started looking at Chinese medicine and the UX design that I started slowly moving um turning inward and really beginning to recognize like, what do I expect and what do I consider valuable? And then it even took longer for me to start implementing those, which is even though I might start noticing that those are what the things that I value, it took me a lot of time to start implementing things like meditation, which, Mm. or, you know, eating a a plant-based diet, which sometimes could be an inconvenience for outer people, right? Like when I go to dinner with people or if I'm like, hey, no, I got to take a break right now to meditate the past I would be so afraid to like inconvenience other people but now I'm like no this is what I need for myself and it's only in the last like two or so years that I feel like I've really been able to to do that I love that I love hearing about the growth and the journey of getting from like an obliger to an upholder actually Mel did you think that Janet was an upholder is that what that was your guess I thought she was a questioner or the obliger (laughs) yeah I thought I thought obliger too wow we were both wrong okay (laughs) I know (laughs) Well, Jay, do you feel like you learned anything else about yourself that is something that you will take away from this exam? Yes. So it actually made me really reflect on how I want to grow. And I think that an upholder being someone who 
recognize or like seems to value and meet outer expectations as well as inner expectations. My challenge for myself now is I want to be more of a questioner like Mel to question more of the outer expectations because I think my default setting is to be a rule follower. And then often if I, if, you know, it, when push comes to shove, I generally will follow the rules and I don't really, I I just Mm -hmm. kind of like automatically think that that is what should be. And I, and I want to be someone who thinks through more deeply and like really questions, do the rules not only make sense, but do they make sense for me, you know, and really, really like challenge to think Mm. more for, yeah. So I think that's, I would love to, to, I think I, you know, obviously continue working on meeting inner expectations, but more and more I feel comfortable with where I'm Mm -hmm. getting with that. And I want to really challenge outer expectations. Mm. Mm. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like our predictions were like kind of all over the place for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see if we were right about Helen, though. So, Helen, revealing time. What did you get? And is this what you were expecting for yourself? Did you wait? Did you say rebel for me, though? I think high school you were rebel, but I think now I could see you as more of an obliger. And then, Janet, you said questioner? Yeah. Oh. So, ding, ding, ding. One of you got it right. Hello, which one? Oh. <laughs> we said like three of them. I know. <laughs> Three out of the four, yeah. <laughs> it was Janet. Ah. So, Mel, your, your two out of four is wrong. <laughs> Crap. But, okay, so I actually know you were kind of right, but I did get the questioner. And um, this is also one that when I was reading the description, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, this is going to be me. But oh, um, interesting. I think it would have been helpful to see some percentages laid out, kind of like yes, how Myers-Briggs yeah. does it with their exams, right? Because we are kind of like, oh, we could be each of these. But mm-hmm. now I'm curious what percentage it would be for the other ones. But my 100% result was the questioner. Um, and I definitely do think I am one because, for example, in scenarios where someone is telling me what to do, if I have this gut instinct that they themselves aren't knowledgeable of the task at hand, and guiding me in the wrong direction, or if I know that they're sort of just like using me for my time and there's better Mm. use of my time, I will very, very instinctively question why. Like, it's like a gut reaction of like, well, why why am I being asked to do what I'm doing if there's a better way to do it or a more efficient way to do it? So... Mm. I think that comes down to also my uh, my despise for inefficiency and I don't like being used by people. Mm. I feel like I've been in those shoes before and that's just like not the type of life I want to live anymore. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, also in more of the detailed results, it says, because questioners want to make well-considered decisions and come to their own conclusions, they tend to be intellectually engaged and they're often willing to do exhaustive research. Mm, Emphasis on exhaustive. (laughs) 
Like, it's yes, very you're, you're shocked. Oh my God. But it's like, it sounds like a positive thing when you're saying it, but if you focus on the word exhaustive, it is a very negative thing. Um, as an example, like last mm. night, I was searching for a freaking dining room table and I had so many tabs open that my computer crashed on me four times. And I was oh my God. at the brink, oh my God. brink of a meltdown because every time my laptop restarted, it's like, do you want to open all your tabs again? And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> like my level of research, if I, if I care about something, I go deep. If I don't yeah, think it's yeah. worth my time, I don't go deep, mm-hmm. right? So... And a lot of it is because I want to put in the work up front so that things do go smoothly later once that decision in that moment is made. So I definitely over plan and over prepare for like everything. Um, and thus I question everything. Mm. So yeah, definitely a questioner. Yeah, I knew it. Dude. I knew it. <laughs> but the, the exhaustive research, that makes sense. yeah, I think that that is very much Helen. And that's something I didn't know about you until we started working together. Not only in seeing how you work through processes or like how like we might all be given a task, but you spent like so much time going through it. Right. And um, but also Mm -hmm. when we like run into issues, like I do a lot of our like Shopify and Squarespace stuff. Right. Or like different tech Mm -hmm. things. But I'm not great at problem solving. Like I can get in there and like kind of learn the system and tinker around. But I, I get like overwhelmed when there's an issue. I'm like, fuck, I follow the steps. Why is it working? You know, and (laughs) Helen's very good at going in and just like. This is how you do it. And I think it's because you're, it's like a problem solving skill that is rooted in being able and not accepting like just the the structure that's given to you. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that makes, uh, to me, it, that resonates for Helen. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, for sure. Problem solving, like, out of, hey, to be honest, out of all three of us, like, Jay, I could totally relate to you. Like, I think I'm the worst when it comes to like when things hit the fan, depending on the situation. I'm always like, uh, uh, like I get like really frantic. Like I remember this one. T- this is a pr- probably not the best example for ABG, but there was one time Helen and I were in Korea together, and our taxi driver was like not following the directions, <laughs> and we got hella lost. And I was sitting there being like, oh my god, we have reservations, and like our friends are waiting, and I don't know the hell we are. And then Helen goes, she's like very calm, she's like. I don't know, she just, like, took control of the situation, like, trying to speak to him, like, she, she like, pulled up her mask, like, this is where we need to go, I need you to get here right now, and I was like, oh, oh, thank you, like, I was, like, very, like, kind of frantic, and then Helen just is, like, direct and calm and cool and collected, I'm just like, all right, I think just the way you are, like, in stressful situations, you just, like, are, like, zoned in, and, like, how can I fix the problem, what is the most efficient way to fix a problem, too? Mm, mm. I don't, you know? I don't it's remember that, like... but that's funny that you remember that, but that's, yeah. like, the one thing that came I to remember... mind. <laughs> I don't know. I remember just being really stressed out in the cab. And I'm just like, I don't know if it's Korean or not. This weird feeling. And then um, as I'm reading the description questionnaire, this totally actually sounds like Phil and Helen. Mm, they yes, wake up yes. and think, right? <laughs> when so I true. So this is a statement they said for questionnaire. They wake up and think, what needs to get done today and why? Mm, yeah. I'm Priority. just like, yeah, yeah. like, I remember she was talking about how Phil works. She was like, ah, Phil wakes up and is like, there's just things I need to get done today. And Helen's like, yeah same i have a list though but i think you need to hit like what is priority now um because i think for me the flip side is like i'm someone that i might write a to-do list and it may not be need to get done today but i will get it done because it's on my list i want to check it off Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like if it's like priority i just want to get it done so i feel like i was like oh this yeah it makes sense your questioner yeah (laughs) yeah that's funny i think going back to what jay was saying too about the what was it the tech thing Mm -hmm. it's funny you you mentioned that because i think 
it's probably because I've been in that situation before where that happened to me and I did deep research as to like why mm. it happened so that the next time it did happen it seems like I just kind of know how to like problem solve uh, it uh, but it's because it's like I've been through that shit before and I'm like oh and I need to figure out or understand just like why it happened so that mm. it doesn't happen again and yeah mm. wow good good job analyzing me <laughs> yeah, <really> do psychoanalysis here <laughs> Do you think you've always been the questioner? Like, do you think your personality has actually changed over time? Absolutely. So actually, Mel, you're, you were right. So you said obliger and rebel, right? For, for me, Mm -hmm. that was past Helen and probably a little Mm. bit of Helen now, but, um, I mean, I used to be someone, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I used to say hello to everyone in the elevators and just like take on way more work than I could handle. And I was definitely a people pleaser. And this was only like what, like four plus years ago? So not too long ago. Mm. And it's a very toxic place to be, right? Because it's something that people pleasers put onto themselves. No one else is asking them for this. They just feel this innate need to please others to whether it's own sense of worthiness or value or whatever it is, right? So I would say that in my younger years, I was actually probably an obliger to strangers though, and to authority when it came to institutions like school and teachers and things like that, where I would accept all outside rules and do everything for everyone else and never take care of my own needs. But simultaneously, what's funny is that I was a rebel to my family and people who were closest to me. Mm -hmm. Because when you are draining your energy, trying to people please in one area, I believe you tend to compensate for that energy in another area of your life, right? Right, And it shows up mm. negatively. So every time I've said on the podcast that I was a terrible teenager and kid, it was because a lot of my energy was being wasted on trying to please people outside of my own comfort zone. Mm. Whether, yes, for validation, to be respected, to be praised, all of that ties to my type 3 Enneagram. And I think it wasn't until I hit an apex of sorts and I was able to realize that I was hurting people closest to me including myself to be a people pleaser so Mm. based on that realization I've transitioned from you know that rebel and equally the obliger to be more of a questioner and that takes time and that takes a lot of inner work but yeah I was definitely definitely a rebel and an obliger just like only four or five years ago I'd say that's actually a really good um analysis like I Mm -hmm. I relate a lot to your description of because you like you're so people pleasing to other people but then in the home you tend to be a rebel and when I reflect back to my childhood my sister and I I think had similar behaviors and I wonder if this is something that is common among immigrant um, families because I think Mm. sometimes we rebelled and maybe subconsciously disliked our family when you would feel, because if if in the outside world you were like kind of shamed sometimes, then you kind of Mm -hmm. blamed, Mm. you know, your household. And it wasn't something we did consciously, but, um, but yeah, I can also see how then you put so much of your energy trying to like be accepted by the outside world. And then when you come home, it's like, then you kind of like, lash out at the people that are closest to you so yeah that's a that's a very interesting yeah. observation yeah yeah I, I think as we're talking I'm like very curious because like it definitely is upbringing your environment and I'm I'm just curious how all three of us got to these personality types or the or like the like like the initial one before we change because like in some ways when you're asking me if I've always been an upholder I was like yeah I'm like why have I always been an upholder though like what is it is it the way I was raised mm-hmm. is it because all three of us had very different sets of parents the way we grew up is very different I'm like what about our environment and our setting has led us to be to form these personalities that's one thing I'm really curious about 
Um, when I hear Helen talk, I was like, oh, it's only been four years. I think it's, I think it's interesting how Helen's like, I'm now the questioner, and it took me a while. It took me a few years to get here with deep work. And then both Jay and I both said, we want to be questioners. I think we do, like, for me, I'm just like, okay, now I'll share your secrets so we could uh, kind of get there to this place. But Helen, um, do you feel like you learned anything about yourself through this uh, this quiz? And what is something you'll take away from this exam? Yeah, I mean, I guess a part of the detailed results says that questioners sometimes suffer analysis paralysis when they find it difficult to make a decision or move forward because they keep wanting more and more information. And the solution that they offered was that I can manage this analysis paralysis with strategies such as setting deadlines, establishing limits, or consulting trusted authorities. And I, when I read that, I'm like, sure. <laughs> but I think that's a part of me. I know that this is the solution, but I don't know if this part of me is ever going to change. And I think like you're not just this test only shows you like one part of you. Right. I'm also a Sagittarius and very free spirited and also very stubborn in my ways. So if anything, I me reading that, I think to myself, I just need to manage my time better so that I can do all the research I still want to do and still meet my Mm. deadlines. So that's how I'm sort of thinking about how to change my ways. And I think that's how I've already been operating, but I'm kind of putting words to what I've been doing, which is mm-hmm. finding, allowing myself the amount of time that I want so that I feel comfortable in the research that I'm doing to make the conclusions that I'm, I'm making. So, I mean, the other part of it is that letting go of some of that control, which I think has been hard for me to do. Um, and I've been trying to do that more but it's hard when you feel passionate about something and you're like, I just want to find the best way to do it. And I, I, I could see why that's like a negative thing and also a really great thing. And sometimes in my mind, I can't tell if it's a, it's a, it's a positive trait or a negative one that's like negatively affecting me, but it hasn't harmed, harmed me in any health way yet. So yeah. I don't know, continue doing it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's, I mean, I think you made a very good point, Helen, which is that this test only shows one part of our personalities. Mm-hmm. There's no way that it covers the entirety of who you are as a person. It's it's purely focused on how you respond to expectations, which relates to maybe, you know, why you do some of the things you, you do and why you don't do some of the things that you don't do. And I think also for mm-hmm. our listeners, for anyone who takes the test, realize that like one of these four is not better than the other or worse than the other. It's they're all just different. Right. Um, and I would argue mm-hmm. that there's probably they're, they're just different and there are definitely strengths and weaknesses to all four. And, you know, but this is a valuable tool that you can use to understand and one aspect of your nature so you can harness your strength um, or your tendency to be able to kind of like offset weaknesses. And you can use it to understand how to manage yourself and also your relationship with other people. I think that we definitely now understand each other a little bit more that now that we've kind of had this discussion (laughs) when it comes to managing your own stress or, um, you know, engaging more deeply with yourself or with other people. Uh, I think that this uh, test is a very valuable resource. I agree. So for all of you listeners out there, if you end up taking this very quick five to 10 minute online test, which millions of people have already taken, let us know in the comments of our latest IG posts what category you fall under, whether it's the upholder, the questioner, the obliger, or the rebel. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl support or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com.
If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at Asian Boss Girl. And we have a couple of shout outs for today's episode from Meme in Salt Lake City to Erica, to my favorite cousin and the one who introduced me to ABG, thanks for all the random chats. From Selena in China to Angela, Angela, I miss you so much. Thank you for introducing ABG to me and it became my favorite podcast. I miss our Taiwan adventures and can't wait to explore more with you after this whole COVID thing. I hope you'll find peace with foods and happiness that we both are looking for. From Ed to Sanam in London, told you and your crying ass you'd get over your ex and find a better boyfriend. You're still a donut. Ooh, we love a message like that. From Coco in Philadelphia to Emily, shout out to Emily for being my person to lean on. Being in law school and Philly wouldn't have been the same without you and from mochi in orange county shout out orange county to jeremy reminiscing good times we had even though for a very short time we spent with each other if you'd like to send a few words of encouragement or a shout out to a friend check out the link in the show description or our link tree in our link in bio on instagram and click on shout outs and last but not least thank you to our super talented editor michelle for working all her magic on our episodes including this one and with that we will catch you all on the next episode bye, bye.